Welcome to My Cousin Jane, a podcast about Jane Austen and her works, with your host, Lee Phelan. Welcome back to My Cousin Jane, or if you're a first-time listener, thanks for joining us. In each episode, we look at what you might think of as the behind-the-scenes featurettes or deleted scenes of a particular chapter in Jane Austen's books. And today, we're going to be talking about Chapter 3 of Pride and Prejudice. In the third chapter of Pride and Prejudice, we are launched into our first ball. Mr. Darcy makes an appearance, astonishing everyone with what they perceive as his haughty behavior, and even finds time to insult Elizabeth. Meanwhile, Mr. Bingley pays quite a bit of attention to Jane, and Mrs. Bennet takes some time to describe the dances to her husband, who is not interested in hearing more. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Darcy. First of all, the man is extremely wealthy, beyond belief wealthy, to be honest. As we discussed back in the first episode of the season, we can't just look at what 10,000 pounds a year would be worth in today's money. We have to take into account a bunch of other socioeconomic factors that differentiate how Regency-era wealth would be used compared to modern-day wealth. Turning again to Catherine Torrin's excellent article, The Economics of Jane Austen's World, it's estimated that Mr. Darcy's annual income is somewhere between 12 million and 16 million U.S. dollars per year. And that article also estimates that his total fortune is somewhere between 250 million and 328 million. Now, there's no denying that the man is prideful and rude, but later on, we learn that he feels uncomfortable around people he doesn't know well, and he doesn't really like meeting new people, and this is a feeling shared by many an introvert. Also, it's probably the case that being that wealthy, most of the people he meets are maybe not as genuine about wanting to be his friend. They are maybe more interested in him because of his fabulous wealth. Though again, that does not excuse his rude behavior, especially to our friend Elizabeth. Now before we go any further, I want to listen to a clip that contrasts Mr. Bingley's behavior at the ball with Mr. Darcy's behavior. As always, our clips come courtesy of Karen Savage and LibriVox.org. So let's listen to this and then we'll talk about a couple of important points. Mr. Bingley had soon made himself acquainted with all the principal people in the room. He was lively and unreserved, danced every dance, was angry that the ball closed so early, and talked of giving one himself at Netherfield. Such amiable qualities must speak for themselves. What a contrast between him and his friend! Mr. Darcy danced only once with Mrs. Hurst, and once with Miss Bingley, declined being introduced to any other lady, and spent the rest of the evening in walking about the room, speaking occasionally to one of his own party. His character was decided. He was the proudest, most disagreeable man in the world, and everybody hoped that he would never come there again. When you hear that Mr. Darcy declined to be introduced to any other lady, you might picture him kind of standing there, uh, a father or a brother comes up to him and says, Mr. Darcy, I'd like to present to you my sister, the Lady Elizabeth Montrose, and Mr. Darcy just giving them the cold shoulder. But remember from last episode how Regency introduction went. This, the dynamic is quite a bit different. The way it would have taken place is that someone acquainted with both Mr. Darcy and the young woman would take Mr. Darcy and present him to the young woman. And the young woman would then decide if she wanted to pay any attention to him. Now, for someone like Darcy, who is described in the novel as somewhat of a shy introvert who doesn't like talking to people he doesn't know well, I have to imagine that this would basically be a nightmare. 
it's a nightmare for most guys to be introduced to girls in the hopes that they will kind of reciprocate the attention. But for someone who's already feeling self-conscious and shy, uh, it's going to be even worse. Now, this obviously doesn't excuse his behavior towards Elizabeth and what he says to Mr. Bingley. And Elizabeth herself, when she's talking to Colonel Fitzwilliam about it, she is not very impressed with his excuses about how this all played out. But again, it's helpful to keep in mind the dynamics, the social dynamics of introduction and how that went. In reality, if you are a halfway decent-looking multi-millionaire during the Regency times, I have to imagine it would be pretty easy for you to make friends and have girls like you. But in some ways, that might have made it worse if Darcy is thinking the only reason she likes me is because I'm a millionaire. So of course she's going to talk to me. And now I don't know what to say because I only want to be rude and talk about books. But again, this is all conjecture. All we really know for sure is that Darcy did not want to be introduced to anyone. He did not think Elizabeth was handsome enough to tempt him into dancing with her. All right, so enough about poor Mr. Darcy for right now. We'll talk about him plenty more throughout the season. I want to switch gears and talk about Mr. Bingley and his dancing with Jane. We're going to hear this from Mrs. Bennett's point of view about how Mr. Bingley singled out Jane to dance with her not just once, but twice. And Mr. Bingley thought her quite beautiful and danced with her twice. Only think of that, my dear. He actually danced with her twice, and she was the only creature in the room that he asked a second time. First of all, he asked Miss Lucas. I was so vexed to see him stand up with her. But, however, he did not admire her at all. Indeed, nobody can, you know. And he seemed quite struck with Jane as she was going down the dance. So he inquired who she was, and got introduced, and asked her for the two next. Then the two-third he danced with Miss King, and the two-fourth with Maria Lucas, and the two-fifth with Jane again, and the two-sixth with Lizzie, and the Boulanger. If he had had any compassion for me, cried her husband impatiently, he would not have danced half so much. For God's sake, say no more of his partners. Oh, that he had sprained his ankle in the first place. There are a lot of interesting things in this little bit of dialogue. First of all, a lot of people compare Regency dances to American square dances, and there are some similarities. But depending on the dance, a lot of the time, people in the Regency dances were standing around waiting for their turn to dance with their chosen partner, and that left a lot of time for conversation, which Austen uses a lot in her novels. Uh, you can see this not just in Pride and Prejudice, uh, but also in Emma. It takes place quite a bit. Dances were typically conducted in pairs, so the two first that Mrs. Bennett refers to means two separate dances, one after the other. Each dance would have a particular style and arrangement, and one or more figures of movement that the participants would move through. And each of the dances could last anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes. So engaging someone for a set of two dances meant that you might be in their company for close to an hour. Most of the popular dances during this time involved people waiting in line. We didn't start getting into, like, waltz-style dances until much later, but many of the Regency-era dances, people would stand in line, and this was referred to as a set. And the couple at the head of the set would dance down through the middle of the lines in different patterns, exchanging partners in different ways, while the other participants would slowly make their way up the set as they approached their turn. Now, you might think you know what this looks like from the many ways you've seen it depicted in films. But according to Susanna Fullerton, who is the former president of the Jane Austen Society of Australia and the author of the book A Dance with Jane Austen, most Austen films get these wrong, usually purposefully so. It's not like they've got all these Regency-era experts 
who just happen to be completely ignorant about how Regency dances are supposed to work. It's just that the way the films stage their dances are more for the cinematic and storytelling effect than for historical accuracy. And if you want a sound understanding of how Regency dance actually worked, the book A Dance with Jane Austen by Susanna Fullerton is an excellent resource. Three other quick things I want to point out about Regency dance customs. First, most books on dance etiquette advise that except for very special reasons, you were not supposed to keep the same partner for more than a single set. And if you were to do it for two sets in a row, that was like a huge social faux pas. So the fact that Bingley danced with Jane for two different sets of dances, even though they were several sets apart, uh, it's pretty significant, which is why Mrs. Bennett is so excited about it. Second, it was considered a major social misstep for a lady to choose not to dance with a man who asked her. Jane Austen brags in a letter to her sister about having done this once in order to avoid having to dance with someone particularly unpleasant. And this point will come up again later on in the novel. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is the boulanger, which is fitting. And boulanger gets a special mention here. Other Austen fans have pointed out that the boulanger is pretty notable because it's the only dance that Austen mentions by name in any of her books. And there have been a lot of different versions of the boulanger over the years. And it's, if you try to find a description of what the boulanger was like, you'll see that in different locations and different time periods, it was set to different music and different types of steps and different cadences. But one thing that's pretty consistent is, it, is that when it is danced at a ball, it's usually the final dance of the evening. Okay, that wraps up episode three. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to help support the show, please head over to leefalen.com slash mycousinjane, sign up for our newsletter, or click on the little donate button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.